Live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. One week from today, the Irish football team is expected to be back on the field playing in a game after a chaotic few weeks that resulted in the program shutting down team activities for 10 days. The good news, COVID-19 tests on Monday and Wednesday resulted in negative results as the Irish are back on the practice field and will have a team scrimmage set for Sunday. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, joined as always by Kevin Downey. Kevin, the Irish could not play last week because of a COVID-19 breakout. This was always originally scheduled to be a week off, and it's certainly an encouraging sign after hearing more positive tests, more positive test results to hear everyone testing negative two tests in a row. Yeah, and again, they have a challenge just like uh, most of the weeks this year where you have two full weeks off, um, actually one whole week with no football, and then the uh, second week just practicing. And I guess, you know, just thinking about it as a coach, I just focus on uh, myself, not worry as much about the upcoming opponent. So the scrimmage on Sunday makes sense. Uh, just keep the inward focus and keep trying to get better. All right, so let's set the tone here of where we're at, and obviously we'll we'll let you know what's on tap on this morning's show here. Our Focus on Faith interview is with former Notre Dame co-captain Frank Palmarico, captain the Irish to the 1973 National Championship. Great stories about Air Parsegan that you won't want to miss, and some an interesting insight. You know, 50 years ago was his first uh, year on campus. He was the last scholarship player, the last guy to receive a scholarship on that 1970 freshman class and then he ends up being the captain for the 73 National Championship. Great stories about how uh, Faith helped him guide through that. Next segment, we'll go through some of the injury updates surrounding the team, plus uh, some reflections on the great Sergeant Tim McCarthy, uh, who passed away uh, this week. We'll talk a little bit about next week's opponent, Florida State, although I can sum it up for you right now. They're not good. And let's start (laughs) with where Notre Dame is. I mean, they are not. they, They are bad. Yeah. Uh, they're just not good. And let's start with where Notre Dame is at getting back into the flow for a Florida State game Saturday at 730 at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, heading into last Saturday when they were supposed to play Wake Forest, Notre Dame had 39 players that would have been out. 25 positive tests, 14 contact tracing. Obviously, there's no way they were in position to be able to play. By today, they're expecting only 15 of those 39 players to still be out. So by next Saturday, assuming all the negative results continue, those numbers should hopefully go down again. But there could still be guys out depending on when did that last positive test come come out. Good news, no hospitalizations, no positive tests on Monday or Wednesday this week. You know, Notre Dame shutting things down on Tuesday, September 22nd. They started some conditioning again a week later. The practices did not start again until Thursday, Kevin. So the team missed significant practice time. Your thoughts as a former coach of how that can impact you when you've only played two games, then you go out for 10 days where you can't practice. There's a lot of flow issues that are probably going on with the team in terms of the field activity. Definitely. I think, um, again, I I guess it helps the Florida State struggling, but yeah. um, I would totally just try to keep the focus on uh, the improvement of 
my team and kind of focus on what we have to do. But there's no question that just taking a week off in the middle is going to be difficult. And then again, you know, um, hats off to the strength and conditioning crew and actually probably the individual student athletes because it's not their normal regiment where they're being run through a program. They, they have to do a lot of stuff on their own, I would assume. I don't know how they do it safely. Well, and some things they're not even allowed to do on their own, right? Because if you're in quarantine and isolation, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. If you're in isolation, you're not allowed to do anything during that 10 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they start kind of ramping you up after that, but you're still not cleared because they got to get you back up to back up to speed. If you're in quarantine, there are some opportunities after seven days to start conditioning yeah. again. So, and those are the quarantine is the people for contact tracing isolation are the, are the, are the people that have tested positive. So here's what Brian Kelly had to say on Thursday when he met with the media uh, about how his team is getting ready for Florida state, but still a lot different scenario mid season than he's ever been a part of in his coaching career. I've been doing it for 30 years. I, I know how to get individuals back um, after an injury or a guy that's been away from the game for a couple of weeks. And, and, and they've done pretty good. I, I think you look at, you know, Dexter Williams didn't play for, I think, a month, and he had a pretty good game against Stanford. Um, I, I can give you a lot of examples. The difference here is that we've got to bring the whole team back. And so it's important that we're extremely um, – strategic in the way that we uh, practice and and when we practice. So getting the whole group back uh, together is very, very important. So uh, when and how we practice, you can be assured that the timing of this um, is being calculated as to uh, when we practice and, and how we practice. Uh, because we have to be ready for Florida State. And uh, relative to setbacks, we can't afford another setback the way we had one th- this past um, past 10 days. So uh, everybody's aware of that. Um, we know that we have uh, uh, no wiggle room for the kind of setback that, that we had. And, you know, we'll see if it's a setback or, or a, a pause. And uh, how we play against Florida State will will be the narrative that that everybody writes relative to this either being a pause in dealing with uh, with COVID and the realities of it, or um, it was a a major setback. Thoughts on what he had to say there? Well, it's definitely a year where uh, you're always in uncharted territory. I, yeah. I guess I don't know. Uh, just even thinking on the ride over here, how would you? Um, kind of substitute or even practice having different offensive linemen come in different groups you know there's really not going to be that continuity I think you just got to make sure the individuals are as good as they can be whenever you're together you go um, you know as hard as you can but every day is going to be different the game is going to be different from practice no matter how you plan it so uh, obviously a, a big factor there for for Notre Dame as they try to navigate through what's going on but they, like you said and they're going to scrimmage on Sunday mm-hmm. to try to get back up to game speed and they're going to treat this like kind of like a bowl game in terms of like ramping it back up because you know bowl season they take a couple weeks off kids go home yep. they got finals and then all of a sudden they're back and it's like we got to play yep it's uh, that stopping and starting so that's smart but the only thing is with that is you've had a whole season this you've only <laughs> had two games so it's it's a little little different in that regard all right so 
How did this all happen? Uh, Brian Kelly told ESPN this week that they think a pregame meal was a big factor. Notre Dame had not been eating together but starting to do so before games. Then they think the outbreak may have come from there because there were clusters of people who were eating together who ended up testing positive, but they're still not quite sure. For Rob Hunt, the head trainer for the football team, he felt it was more likely more than just the team meal. You know, I think there's a component of our testing regimen makes people feel um, comfortable with a negative test. And I think what we're realizing in this current situation is that a negative test on, on Friday doesn't necessarily mean that you're completely negative from the standpoint of clearing, like you, sh- you should, should maintain the protocols that are clearly established. And I think we may have gotten a little loose in some areas in terms of how we operate within our locker room. Um, in terms of our mass compliance, um, just our, our spacing on the sidelines and the activities that are being done there. And these are certainly speculative, but as we kind of look at the clusters that we had and the, the position groups that they were um, and how the how we contract trace the spread, um, there were areas that we can get better. But, it, you know, a negative test doesn't mean that you're uh, uh, necessarily free and clear from the virus at that point. And, uh, just might mean you had a viral load that was low enough that didn't test positive. So um, we're going to tighten those pieces up. And, uh, you know, we've spaced out our our meal even farther than the socially distant component that we had. So we're going to even be broader. Uh, we're we're de-densifying our locker room um, even more than what we had previously done. What we had used before was a shifted approach to the use of the locker room. So it's it's now a shifted locker room um, schedule as well as a de-densified locker room. We're going to spread out more on the sidelines with regards to chairs and benches and uh, really, really dig deep and hold our players um, into a, a kind of a zero tolerance with regards to mass, mask usage moving forward. That is Rob Hunt, the head trainer for Notre Dame football. Uh, you were kind of shaking your head as you're listening. I think the coaching mind going, oh, my gosh, so many variables, so many things <laughs> you got to think about. And you're still dealing with college kids. You want to make sure they stay away. The one thing that did kind of resonate, especially after watching a couple of um, a couple of the replays, would just be the, the sideline and, you know, again, mass, but more than that, just you're used to having your position groups get together, like all the linemen and the line coach. Well, maybe you don't necessarily need everybody to be right, (laughs) you know, close together. So there could be some social distancing, but yeah, I'm shaking my head because uh, again, there are so many things that they have to think about plan, like the pregame meal being a possible uh, thing that led to it. I mean, it's just so many variables in 2020 that would make it very challenging. I'm kind of glad I'm retired. Well, they're, and they're trying I don't want to tip my hand on where it's happening, but they're they're getting into a big area for the team meal now. They've yeah. they've changed their location, so they're going to get into a big. Uh, it's an indoor facility, but a lot of spacing, so that you know, hopefully, less issues for them in terms of being able to space everybody out. The thing is, the team's together. You know, yeah. so they they they, they kind of people are like, well, why are they eating together? Well, I mean, the team's together pregame. You kind of. I mean, there are one of those traditions or one of those things that you I, I always mean, done. I don't even know if it's as much tradition, but you want to make sure the guys are 
at a certain eat at a certain time so they can digest yeah, it. Yeah, so I play. think there's a safety factor there too to make sure that they get that. So uh, you know, it's what about the spacing out of locker room usage? Never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Totally, and, and smart. who's in the locker room at certain times? These yeah. are all things, and I know they were doing it to a certain extent, uh-huh. and I think they're they're just like they got to ramp it up more. I think it makes sense. It's common sense, right? I think over since March, I'm sure. You, your family, my family, we've been in positions where, you know, you get a little more comfortable than you were Mm -hmm. two months prior or something like that. And if you're getting tested all the time and you're getting these negative results, I could see how players could get comfortable at times. And then they got to be reminded like, nope, don't be comfortable. There's a reason why you were comfortable. Things were going well because of all these things. Yeah, it affected a third of our team and we had to postpone a game. Yeah. So and and Rob Hum went on to say they still feel like they have like one foot on the brake, but that they feel a lot better certainly where the program is at right now than they were the Monday after the South Florida game. All right. Speaking of the South Florida game, perhaps one bit of good news. Um, Notre Dame had all these COVID positive tests. They had likely some COVID players playing in the game. Um, but in all the communications with South Florida, Brian Kelly says South Florida has not had positive cases. So mm-hmm. Kelly thinks perhaps that's really good news for college football that this was not spreading from team to team during the game. It's definitely a good thing for college football if if that uh, plays out. Again, this is so weird. I feel like we're in science class, not necessarily talking about pregame for a football game. Here, let's hear from Brian Kelly on that. As it relates to you know, certainly the on-field spread in that instance, when you have one team that, that is clearly, even though we tested on Friday night, um, you know, there, there, there was some obviously chance there that that could have spread and it did not. And so I think that uh, the way the game is played where there is not, um, you know, the uh, duration uh, of, of contact, uh, over a long period of time, um, it minimizes the spread. It, it appears at least that way. Again, I'm not an expert in, in this. All we're doing is we're picking up a lot of these trends as we see them, and that seems to be the case right now. Um, you know, <laughs> stay tuned, right? And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but it allows you to look inwardly a lot more. And and really look at your procedures and practices and and how you can fine tune them and and drill even deeper on um, taking care of yourself instead of having to worry so much about the other team or what else is going on. That would make this almost untenable uh, if if you were worried about on field spread for every game as well. I guess that's what I'm saying in a nutshell. Uh, And I think what Brian Kelly's saying there makes a lot of sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got enough trouble within your program, trying to figure out how do you keep your guys from not infecting each other, that the last thing you want to do is have to worry about whether or not it's you're spreading it to another team. Um, so on I think field. That, on the field. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Now they have to obviously do precautions as best as they can to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think what he's saying there is, and if that is the case, if it is true that, you know, they're avoiding these transmissions from team to team. That is a very good sign for not only college football, but high school football and, and sports in general, that yeah, that brief exchange is not leading to transmission. But as Brian Kelly said, stay tuned, right? Because we don't know for sure. And this this And there can't be a ton of cases where 
like this is one where they can study and kind of look at the data, but there haven't been that many uh, right. games affected so far because of so many delays of the season. So I, but I think that's the the state too because it's like we don't have enough data to go through. Yeah. Um. One other COVID related note, not football related note, but certainly uh, Notre Dame president Father John Jenkins among those who have. Uh, uh, tested positive. Of course, we know that President Trump and Melania, the First Lady, have tested positive this week. So uh, our prayers certainly go out to all of them and everyone that's been affected and, and hopefully everyone able to have a safe and speedy recovery um, out of those situations. But it just uh, just a reminder that we're still in this COVID era and it has not uh, gone away by any means, despite the fact that we're now, what, April, May, June, July, August, September. Oh, we're seven we're it's nearing seven months, so <laughs> it's it's been long. It's felt longer than that, uh, but um, it is kind of crazy. All right, big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience helping out with the broadcast of high school football. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. All right, coming up. Frank Pomerico received the very last scholarship for the Notre Dame football freshman class of 1970. Four years later, he was the captain leading the Irish to a national championship. He said faith and hope are what pushed him to realize it would all work out. A must listen to focus on faith. Plus, next segment, we break down where the Irish stand with injuries. And up next, may I have your attention, please? A tribute to Notre Dame football game day fi- fi- fixture. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. May I have your attention, please? Those were iconic for any fan who has attended a Notre Dame football home game over the last 60 years. Those words, so iconic. Sergeant Tim McCarthy was the safety officer for the Indiana State Police and delivered that message between the third and fourth quarter of every Irish home football game for 55 years. With his last message coming in 2015, for the last five years, the tradition has continued with recorded messages from Sergeant McCarthy. They were, of course, followed by a safety message about not drinking and driving, getting home safely, but they were done with incredible, clever, and a lot of fun, uh, the puns each week. Sergeant Tim McCarthy passed away this week at the age of 89. A great man and an iconic fixture for Notre Dame home games. May he rust in peace, a native of Fort Wayne. So um, certainly he had he had some great ones. And I always remember, you know, in the press box, always like there's chaos going on. And I'm like, all right, what's he got this week? <laughs> well, it's one of the neat traditions. So, again, we talked. I uh, grew up in South Bend. I actually grew up right by Memorial Hospital. And even if I wasn't at the game or walking around, um, you know, you could hear a lot of this stuff. And so that's just kind of part of <laughs> my whole uh, life growing up was hearing that. And I think, um, as you said, there's a lot of chaos. And there's something special about Notre Dame uh, game day, too. And that was definitely one of it. He was a part of it. 
Remember, the reason we hammer about safety is to keep you from getting nailed. That's a good one. If you drive like lightning, you might crash like thunder. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> That's a good one. Remember, driving like a turkey is a foul way to drive. Oh, I like that one. Uh, the the groans have always been good, and I believe this is the one that was the the first one he ever used, and then he brought it back in 2015 as the last one. The automobile replaced the horse, but the driver should stay on the wagon. That's that's a very good one <laughs> as well. So one. you know, there some some great puns over the years. Um, you know, obviously 89. So he was doing this till he was 84 years old. I mean, he did it for 55, 55 years. years. So uh, he was probably right. Yeah, he was he was 30 when he when he took over to do these safety messages. So he did it for a long time. And uh, I, I think it would be cool if God gives him a special place in heaven that like when someone's coming through and is ready to come in. <laughs> little announcement. May I have your attention, please? <laughs> and and he gives us a little witty pun. And, uh, Only it, for those diehard Notre Dame fans. <laughs> <laughs> to, to introduce us to who the next person coming into heaven is. I, I think that would be a great, be great nice w- touch. Would be a nice touch, certainly. <laughs> All right, so rest in peace, Sergeant Tim McCarthy, a great fixture at Notre Dame football home games over the years. Uh, it was the Battle of the Bishops last night in Fort Wayne as Lures took on Dwanger. Michiana Penn defeated St. Joe. Next week, huge showdown in Michiana as undefeated Marion goes on the road to undefeated Elkhart with the NIC North title on the line. You can hear it here on 95.7 FM. Over in Fort Wayne, Dwenger and Snyder will air over the air on 106.3, while Lures in Southside will stream on RedeemerRadio.com. Tailgate Talk airing in both Michiana and Fort Wayne next Friday at 6 p.m. All right, let's get some uh, injury updates in at this time. And uh, so... Some good news for Notre Dame heading into next week's game. Um, Kyle Hamilton, safety, had that sprain. Ben Skoranek had the hamstring. Both did not play against South Florida. Both expected to be back. I don't want to say full strength, but it sounds like they think they're they're back and they're and and they're good to go, which makes sense because they basically each had three weeks off. So that's huge, especially Hamilton. Um, the last thing you want is a ankle sprain lingering yeah. on who's your best player. Really. And actually being out that time may have benefited him because he had that time to do nothing or, you know, just focus on rehab. However you do that in the COVID days. Right. Uh, so that that's a positive. And then the other good sign for Notre Dame is, is Kevin Austin, a uh, wide receiver broke his foot in camp on track to play against Florida state. Now, how much does he play? I don't know. He, he may only, he may not start. He may only get in for a couple plays here and there. But the fact that the guy who's supposed to be their top wide receiver receiver, receiver this year. At least behind the scenes in practice. <laughs> right. Um, at least if he's able to start playing, that's that's a great sign. Because we know, as we've talked about, they need some help in the wide receiving department. Yeah, it so, seems like that position's a little bit weaker than we're used to. But again, we're, we just had Chase Claypool leave us. He was pretty darn good. Yeah, no, but if they can get him back, that would be a big boost for Ian Book because now mm-hmm. – but here's the thing. There's just no – there's no chemistry right now. It feels like on that on that quarterback-to-wide receiver connection, right? 
you don't play for a couple weeks. That that's like that remains my biggest concern is that's what you build during a season when you lose a guy like Chase Claypool, right? It's so not it's, first game, you know, the wide receiver spot had some drops. They weren't targeted a lot. Their injuries, and then second game, it was almost like it intentionally wasn't a part of the game plan. Again, maybe running the ball against South Florida took over. Um, but yeah, I would say that there's definitely questions at wide receiver. So hopefully, those two guys coming back is a bright spot. Yeah, and and they had uh, built up Skoranek, then he got hurt early against Duke, so mm-hmm. um, hopefully he's going to be okay, and, and that's the case. So, uh, you know, these are the situations that this team's going to have to deal with heading into this year, but again, I don't know, what's, what's your biggest concern in terms of football? Obviously, you know, <laughs> COVID is everyone's biggest concern, right, and yeah. how it affects your team, but in terms of on the field, what's your biggest concern with the Irish moving forward that you're not still sure about of this team after seeing them play two games? Um, I'd say just on the field, that question of the wide receiver position. um, I mean, I think they have a really good starting quarterback, good offensive line, you know, good tight ends, three good running backs, which is really um, encouraging from a change from last year. But it would just be that. seems like their defense is, uh, you know, pretty solid. So kind of question – their secondary just as far as haven't really been tested. And then, you know, to bring it back to COVID, to be honest with you, my biggest concern would be if uh, the quarterback, Ian Book, or a large group of the offensive line got either or or both. I think it would be really difficult for them to have a competitive team with those two groups affected. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw a backup quarterback getting it for – or I shouldn't say getting it. Possibly. But Possibly. for some reason, was, number three came in. So Yes, he was out of the game and did not play. So uh, that would be the case. So you can make your suspicions on that one. All right, Redeemer Radio is an – and he could have been out for contact tracing, I should point out. True. Uh, Redeemer Radio is a nonprofit Catholic radio station, so we rely on support from listeners like you. Our fall fundraiser, Tune In For All In, is wrapping up. We very much still need your help help we're still short of our goals and we hope you can chip in a few bucks to help ensure programs like this one can stay on the air every donation no matter the amount helps in a big way you can show your support of redeemer radio by heading to redeemerradio.com right now click on donate now all right uh time for a timeout when we return it's focus on faith with former irish captain Frank Pomerico. It's a great conversation. A lot of great era Parsegian stories. You won't want to miss it. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Back right after this. Looking for a fresh way to start your day? Need a little pick-me-up for your faith in the morning? We've got you covered with the Daily Refill. Join me, Andrea Serrani, weekday mornings from 7 to 8 for the best Catholic podcast, stories of faith from around the world, and right here in our own community, plus some fun and games to help us start our days with faith and joy. Tune in weekdays at 7 for the Daily Refill on Redeemer Radio and in the Redeemer Radio app. All right, if you're listening to this show, chances are you're a football fan. So how about tuning in to a new Redeemer Radio show that's not about football, but it's hosted by a former Super Bowl champion, local South Bend attorney and former New York Giant Chris Godfrey's new show, The Sandwich Generation, debuts this Monday at 12.30 p.m. here on Redeemer Radio. What is The Sandwich Generation? It's the group of people that have to care for aging parents while also raising their own kids. There are going to be some great life lessons for really every age group in this show. That's Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey debuts Monday at 1230 here on Redeemer Radio. 
Kevin, you know you know Chris well. Uh, his yeah. some of his uh, kids played kids for you, played right? For me at St. Joe, yeah. And again, he's just a great guy. Um, I think it's actually really interesting that that uh, he's doing this because he was always kind of that voice of wisdom for me when I was a young coach. So uh, yeah, it's great. Chris is a great guy. Absolutely. So uh, Chris Godfrey's new show, The Sandwich Generation, 12.30 p.m. here on Redeemer Radio coming up starting on Monday. All right. Uh, time now for Focus on Faith. And it's this week with Frank Pomerico. He's a former offensive lineman for the Irish, co-captain on the 1973 National Championship team, had great uh, era Parsegan stories, a great man of faith. He, he got the last scholarship in, in 1970s freshman class and then eventually becoming the captain of the Irish fo- football team. Grew up with Jerry DiNardo, looked up to his big brother. That's how he ended up coming to Notre Dame. Here's Focus on Faith with Frank Pomerico. Frank, uh, 50 years since you first stepped foot on campus at Notre Dame as a freshman. I imagine that's hard to believe it's uh, gone by so fast since those days, hasn't it? It has. 50 years has gone like a blink of an eye. And uh, the interesting thing about all that is uh, my daughter went to Notre Dame as well. And uh, my son played at the University of Michigan. But they were both here in South Bend. They were born here in South Bend. And uh, we had a, a great life for 25 years here in South Bend. Kept our home, moved to Michigan for 15 years, and then we moved back. So uh, we're excited to be back here in South Bend. Today I was walking on campus. I have two dogs, and I, I walk them on campus almost every day. And now I'm getting some kids coming up to me and saying, hey, I saw you yesterday. Uh, your dogs are beautiful. I have a Labadoodle, and his dad is a poodle. And uh, they both walk with me every day. And it's amazing how the campus has grown. It's amazing how uh, beautiful the campus looks. But it's also amazing how the kids also seem the same as they did 50 years ago. I mean, good, wholesome kids that are uh, here to get a great education. You grew up in Brooklyn. I imagine in those days coming to Notre Dame, faith was a major component of that. How important was faith to you, you know, as a youngster growing up? And and was it a part of your decision to come to Notre Dame? Well, I think the decision to come to Notre Dame is this— multiple factors involved. I desperately wanted to come to Notre Dame. (laughs) And uh, the reason uh, for it is there was a fellow that played at St. Francis Prep where I went to high school. And he also went to a Lady of Grace as well, where I went to grade school. That was in Howard Beach, Queens, near Kennedy Airport. Uh, His name was Larry DiNardo. And Larry was the epitome of what a student athlete should be like. He was uh, smart. He was... uh, intense. Uh, He was uh, competitive, and he was always trying to do the right thing. When you have those kind of things to mentor other people with, uh, there were great examples for us. And he went to Notre Dame. So my father said to me, hey, wouldn't it be neat if you could go to Notre Dame too? And it just started a spark inside of me that I wanted to be like Larry. And uh, his brother Jerry and I were in the same class. Now, Jerry now is on the Big Ten Network, and eventually we both came to Notre Dame. We were staggered one year because he went to a year of prep school. But Jerry and I were the guards at Notre Dame in 1972 and 73. Now, the interesting thing about going even further back to Our Lady of Grace, 
is that we were taught by the Ursuline nuns, and they were very uh, strict. Discipline was a big thing for them. A lot of people will tell me, boy, you have great handwriting. I says, you need to thank the nuns for that because they, w- they wouldn't let us go outside the lines while we were, were writing in, in our penmanship class. We actually had penmanship class in those days. And the nuns were very spirited, too. Uh, they were all for the teams of Our Lady of Grace. And uh, they would cheer like crazy for us, as the brothers did. I can remember watching a movie called The Cinderella Man. I don't know if you remember that. A great, great movie about uh, a boxer. And um, the scene at the end of the movie is this great fight they have. Uh, Broderick, uh, James Broderick against uh, Max Bear, I think it was. And they have the father uh, listening, Father Jones or whatever his name was. He's listening in, in the church in the, uh, on the radio. And then there was the nuns listening. And then there was his family. That's what was happening at Our Lady of Grace and St. Francis Prep. All these guys were listening to the radio, watching TV. Uh, cheering for us, and, and it gave us a, a, a tremendous uh, amount of spirit uh, and feeling good every time we would go back to our roots of St. Francis and Our Lady of Grace. The brothers were great, too, uh, the Franciscan brothers. We had to take a subway for 45 minutes every day to get to high school, another subway for 45 minutes to get to Red Hook to practice, and then another subway 45 minutes to an hour to get home. So you had to really like what you were doing. But the brothers made it so intense for us and so spirited that we were part of, we felt like we were part of something really great. Then we started hearing these stories from Larry about Arab Parsesian and what kind of family attitude he had on the team, what kind of class, what kind of integrity he had. And all of a sudden, I, I knew this is where I would like to go. Now, I had a good senior year in high school. And I was getting recruited by a couple of schools, not a lot, because at that time I was probably about 6'1", about 230, 235. And as an offensive lineman, that was not a huge guy in those days. It was, you know, okay. Uh, nowadays, I couldn't even play linebacker, you know. Right, but right. Uh, in, in those days, uh, I was getting recruited uh, by North Carolina. I had signed a letter of intent. And also, uh, Notre Dame had me in. And at the time, they didn't have a spot. But later on in, in the year, I mean, it wasn't until May, uh, there was 41 scholarships given that year at Notre Dame. I was number 41. So wow. uh, I always had uh, faith that something good was going to happen. And, you know, I think when you have hope about something, you know, hope to me means a couple of things. And the number one thing is that you believe there's a higher power. I mean, this my faith in God is something that kept me going in this pursuit of my dream. Uh, the other thing is that you have to be persistent and consistent in everything you do every day to get towards that goal. And that gives you, that adds to your hope. Hey, I'm doing everything I possibly can. And if the chips fall the way they should and God wants this to happen, it's going to happen. And no matter how dark it got as far as my ability to get this scholarship or how uh, slim it seemed, I always had a, that little hope that something would happen. Then the letter came, and I got the, uh, the word that I, I got a scholarship, a full grant and aid to University of Notre Dame. 
you know, we laughed, we cried all at the same time, but it was uh, the beginning of a great journey and something that I dreamed about for a long time. Frank Pomerico, former captain of the Notre Dame football team, co-captain on the 1973 National Championship team, joining us here on Focus on Faith on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. So you go from the last scholarship to co-captain of a national championship team. What are your what are some of your favorite memories of, of that squad and and what what allowed you guys to ascend to be national champions in 73? Well, if you go back and look at the records, um, you know, I, I, again, I was totally driven to to play and era had a tremendous amount of respect. He wasn't a Catholic. Right. But he had a tremendous amount of respect for the traditions of the Catholic Church. So every week, there was a mass for uh, the team. And the great thing about it, he had his own traditions involved with this as well. The night before, we used to spend at the Moreau Seminary, which was a great thing, because we got away from campus. You know, the family's in, everybody is, is kind of partying. And we have a chance now to go watch a movie, have a theater over there. And we have a chance that they give you some snacks, mostly fruits and uh, peanuts and that kind of thing. So that, you know, we have something to get into our bellies before we go to bed. And uh, the other thing, though, is that he would he would urge us to go to the grotto the night before a game and to say a prayer that you would play, play your best and also that nobody would get hurt on either team. Uh, and that was something, a tradition that was going on for years and uh, something Era really enjoyed that tradition and wanted us to follow it. And we did. So as far as faith is concerned, that was the blend that Era gave. But he also added so much more to the, uh, the flavor of what Notre Dame uh, wanted to be known for. Now, again, Notre Dame is, is, is a place. But, you know, when you have an ideal uh, like Era had, uh, I think Father Hesburgh recognized that this is a man of character, uh, this is a man of integrity, and this is a man of class. I mean, a person that could represent the university in a way uh, with his platform as being the head football coach that no other person could do. I mean, he may not have been as important as a uh, maybe a philosophy teacher or a dean of students or whatever, but he had a platform that the whole country was listening to, and there was no better speaker to have at that time uh, in in our country than an Arab Parsian. I mean, if he wanted to, Arab could have been a governor, a senator. He could have been the president of the United States. That's how well organized and charismatic he was. Thursdays and Fridays before the game, he used to give a talk. He'd say, okay, guys, everybody up. And then he'd start talking about different things. And usually it had nothing to do with football. It had to do with life about uh, being a, a team member, a part of this family, uh, a family that, you know, is going to do great things, not just on the football field, but th great things in the world. Uh, expect to do things for other people, to make a difference in other people's lives, was Ara's message. And it was a great message that I still try to use today. Uh, like, for instance, Try to do something good for somebody else every day. 
just one thing good for somebody else every day. And if you can get that done, it's a good day. But what happens is you wind up doing more than one good thing. <laughs> you maybe do two or three and never expecting anything back in return was the key thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to help this older woman uh, with her bags at a grocery store, not because I'm expecting a, a thank you or somebody to give me a badge, or, but because it's the right thing to do. So these are the things that I think the reason that era was so popular with his players. And, you know, when you have a team uh, like era coached, the, the three main ingredients he provided for us was tremendous pride. You know, when you work your butt off in preseason to get to the point where you're uh, on the team and you're starting on the team, you feel great about yourself. Kind of like the, in the Marine Corps when you get through a boot camp. You know, there's nothing a DI can't tell you that you can't do or won't try to do anyway. And the second thing is discipline. And all that discipline came about when we were getting ready for the Southern Cal game my, my senior year. Now, Southern Cal had won the national championship in 72, and they also won it in 74. So, you know, in 73, they were pretty, pretty good, too. But uh, they had a 22-game winning streak, and we had a winning streak as well, but not a 22-game winning streak. But the, the, the interesting thing is all that discipline came together, and we put together a game plan where we grinded out the ball and kept it away from their, their really good offensive players. But they had a defense that, you know, we could have been playing against the Packers or the Bears. They were really good. So it was uh, uh, another step in getting towards our national championship. And the third thing, when I think about that national championship game against Alabama, you know, the loyalty that Era gave us, uh, the loyalty we had for him uh, was so important. And it's something I, I remember to today because loyalty really comes from fairness. And Arrow was fair with everybody. And it didn't matter what, what religion you were. It didn't matter what color your skin was. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with your character and your production. You know, so many kids look great when you see them on film in high school. But when they get to high school, or when they get to Notre Dame, you win with production and you lose with potential. So just because a person looks great doesn't mean that they're going to play great. And that's the thing that Era had. He played the guy that was going to be best for uh, building the team. And that's where we got the loyalty from. So. Frank Pomerico, co-captain of the 1973 Notre Dame National Champions, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You say that about, you know, Era's character, and, and you mentioned how he wasn't Catholic, but he believed in everything. Because of the way he acted, knowing he wasn't ca Catholic, but the way he acted and the way he respected the Catholic faith, did you end up finding yourself growing in your faith because, because of Era, even despite the fact that he wasn't Catholic? I think I grew in my spirituality. I think what you find as you get older, and, you know, I was really an infant spiritually when I, when I got to Notre Dame. And I think I started to grow because of the diversity of people that were at Notre Dame at the time. You know, you're not talking—I was always in a, a situation where I was around Catholics all the time. Now I was around a situation where I was around some non-Catholics, too. And— uh, I started growing in my spirituality, and I, I realized that, you know, that I started doing more reading, 
And when I got to the point where I was thinking, I was, I was reading about the Gospel of Thomas, which a lot of people don't recognize, but I, to me it's pretty important. Uh, he asked Jesus in a, uh, in a conversation, where is the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, it's inside of you, and it's all around you. So that was in, in, in conjunction with what Arrow was trying to bring out to us, that, you know, faith is an important thing. Spirituality is really important thing. And it doesn't matter what religion you are. What it matters is that you're making a difference in other people's lives. And it has to do with your consciousness and your soul. If you believe something, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's bulletproof. It's something that you can't stop. Uh, and that spirituality at Notre Dame is very strong. And again, it, 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 it transcends Catholicism, I think. Mm-hmm. I think when you go to the grotto, you know, a Muslim can go there and feel a sense of peace. A Jew can go there and feel a sense of peace. And Protestants, for sure, can go there and understand that this is a sense of peace here. I feel good about this. This is some place where I can meditate and pray and, and feel good about myself and feel good about the world. Because the ideology of Notre Dame is universal. I don't think it's just Catholicism. Catholicism, obviously, is a big part of it, but it's, it's even greater than that, and, and, I, and I love Notre Dame because of that. And I, I talk to people all the time around the country, and they say, boy, I wish I lived at Notre Dame, or I went to Notre Dame. I says, hey, you don't really have to do that to have that spirit that Notre Dame has, making a difference in other people's lives because you're part of this world. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what faith or nationality or whatever. This is all good stuff. And if you can make other people's lives better, that's what it's all about. That's what Notre Dame's message is, service to make a difference in the world. And that's, that's the good stuff. That's what ERA was about, too. Totally different topic for ERA. How do you think he would have handled coaching in a pandemic? You know, I think he would have been, uh, you know, ERA was uh, very good at giving people a leash, In other words, giving them some space, giving them a rope and saying, hey, listen, uh, this is what we're expecting from you. Now, I'm going to treat you like an adult and I want you to do that. Now, if you don't do that, you know, there's going to be some consequences for it. And I can relate it to maybe uh, he had a ban on on drinking in public places or drinking at all. Really, you weren't supposed to drink. And. one one time, a group of guys got in trouble, okay? So he brought them all in, and they got campused. And he said, hey, listen, you have one chance, and you just used it up. The next time, you're going to be off the team, or some drastic things are going to happen. So I, I think that's the way he would have done it. I think he would have uh, – Arrow's a very interesting individual. I mean, he wasn't your friend, and he really wasn't your father. But you felt like you wanted to please him because he, had, he was such a high-quality guy. He had such class. Everything he did was perfect or pretty close to perfect. So uh, I think that's the way he would have done it. You know, he would have been disciplined, but I yet, yet he would have gave us space to, to do what we wanted to do. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate it, Angelo. Thanks for having me. 
That is Frank Pomarico, former captain of the Notre Dame football team and the 1973 national champions. I love that final quote where he said, um, you know, Era wasn't your friend, he wasn't your father, but you wanted to do the right thing for him. Um, really powerful stuff from Frank Pomarico. We appreciate him coming on here for our Focus on Faith interview. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has become the bank of choice for a great many Catholic parishes and schools in our listening area. This fall, Notre Dame FCU will once again provide hundreds of thousands of dollars to support these partners, including another $70,000 for the Marion Knights. Does your bank do that? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, your a share of value. Why not share in our benefits? All right, we're going to take our final time out. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Florida State. And whew, uh, that's a good team to play when you have uh, not played for two weeks. Uh, we'll explain why when Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns on Redeemer Radio. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Welcome back here, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo and Kevin Downey here. No Irish football game, of course, again today because they're on the bye officially. And Notre Dame will play Florida State next Saturday night at Notre Dame Stadium. 7.30 kickoff. The Irish are 2-0. Florida State is 0-2, Kevin. Uh, they lost to Georgia Tech 16-13. And then they got uh, demolished by Miami last week, 52-10. This is not a team, when you say... They're playing Florida State. You, you think, think of <laughs> you think of certain things. This is not that because this team is just not good. Well, they you know made a coaching change going into the year, um, and then man, that Miami game was pretty bad. It was just highlights for Miami. But again, <laughs> their coach was their new coach was out with uh, COVID, so that plays a part of it. In theory, they should be pretty good. They had seven uh, returners on offense, 10 returners on defense, but that was with a different coaching staff. And again, that's all before 2020, right? Everything changes. The one thing you can be certain of, though, is they have to have some good players, regardless who the coaches are or whatever. They're they're in the, you know, the heart of uh, Florida as far as getting recruits. So, that would be the one danger, that they do have athletes, they do have good football players, they don't seem to be playing as a cohesive unit in any form right now, but you never know what can happen. The highlight that stood out to me, I was watching it live, I'm like, oh, let me turn on this game for a little bit, might as well, and I turn it on in the second quarter, and Miami's dominating them, it's 21-3, to and then all of a sudden, uh, Florida State tries to go for a reverse and then the wide receiver is getting sacked, fooled nobody, and just throws it up, and it gets intercepted. I'm like, wow, that <laughs> I don't need to watch anything else. You guys have just cemented uh, your issues. Uh, they're going to face Jacksonville State today, so one would think to get their uh, confidence up a little bit. They're gonna they're gonna get a victory and get to one and two in the season. Uh, ACC standings. Miami 2-0, 3-0 overall. Pitt is 2-0 in league play, 3-0 overall. Boston College 1-0, Clemson 1-0, Notre Dame 1-0, North Carolina 1-0, Virginia 1-0, Virginia Tech 1-0 right now. Uh, it's weird to talk about ACC standings, but it's going to be an important concept for us this season because Notre Dame is a full-fledged member of the ACC for 2020 in football. 
I'm interested to see what happens uh, today between North Carolina and Boston College. North Carolina, 14-point favorites in that one. But I still will be interested to see if Phil Dracovic, former Irish quarterback, can uh, keep things interesting at least for a little while for Boston College. Yeah, because it does seem like North Carolina, especially on defense, has improved drastically over the past couple of years. Other big games, if you're looking to tune in uh, to to get your football fix today, Texas A&M and Alabama uh, at 3.30. And then the big one uh, between the hedges at 7.30, Auburn and Georgia. That should be a fun one. Yeah, and again, I saw a little Sports Center thing. They don't even know who or would announce who the uh, Georgia quarterback is. So maybe COVID related, maybe transfer. Who knows? Twenty twenty. I mean, they got like four different guys that they listed uh, before the four guys. They all said or next to them. So it was just like, who knows? All right, so no Notre Dame football game again today. The Irish will host Florida State next Saturday at 7.30. And that will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays this week. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, once again, Ilya Glasman. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo. We will, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Redeemer Radio for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday afternoon at 1230 for my new show, The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing in our friendship with God. So tune in for good advice and inspiration beginning Monday, October 5th at 1230, right here on Redeemer Radio.